Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Johan Jedeker. He is the founder and CEO of bettersupport.io. Despite his young age, he is now somewhat of a veteran of the outsourcing industry. He helped build a BPO outsourcing firm to about 200 staff, and then he decided to go out on his own and build one for himself. So he's now six months into this journey. He has over 30 staff already, and he's well on his way to running a very successful outsourcing firm. And he's also niched down a little bit, which we're going to talk about in this podcast. So really interesting conversation, great conversation uh, from a different perspective of Johan. So as always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Johan, welcome to the show. So first things first, what on earth are you doing in Sweden running a Philippine BPO? Well, uh, in yeah, hi Derek, thanks for having me. Um, so uh, we, um, we, we have a remote setup, so uh, I have the luxury of traveling a lot. And as of the moment, I'm in Sweden to catch up with some clients uh, before heading back to the Philippines. Fantastic. And so you are the founder and CEO of Better Support, which we're going to hear more about in this episode. Uh, it, it's it's not the obvious uh, career path for some people, maybe like setting up and starting a BPO. Um, but you're already, despite you know being relatively uh, young, uh, you're already a veteran of the outsourcing industry. So tell us a little bit about your journey into outsourcing up until the point of starting this uh, better support. Mm, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm from Sweden, but been living most of my adult life abroad. 
And uh, in, in 2014, I was living in Australia, uh, working as a dishwasher, trying to figure out what to do in life. And I was about to fly home to Sweden before a friend of mine convinced me to stop by the Philippines on my trip back. And yeah, I, I fell in love with the place, but uh, was quickly running out of money. So anyway, I, I searched for a job everywhere and had almost given up before I managed to find a job as a Swedish bilingual customer service agent uh, working graveyard shifts. And yeah, long story short from there, uh, I, I built myself a career, worked my way up to become a co-owner and COO before I left the company in 2021 to, to start my own. Well done. And what was it about the industry then? You, you started effectively as an agent. Did you, you know, as you came to the Philippines, were you even aware that this whole outsourcing thing existed? What was it like for you to be introduced to the industry through the eyes of a first-time agent? Yeah, so I was actually blown away by the scale of the outsourcing industry in the Philippines and how like part of the economy is centered around that that industry. I didn't know a lot, but I... Um, I, I think that uh, outsourcing since then has also grown a lot. So, uh, so yeah, I I didn't know anything beforehand, but yeah, now I would say that I'm I, I know a fair bit. And so, you started Better Sport only recently. Um, what what lessons did you take from the previous business? I, I don't want to delve into that too deeply into why you left that one. I mean, uh, I mean, are you able to share? But it. Uh, what, what were the lessons that you learned from uh, building up that business into a significantly sized BPO? Yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, obviously, there, there would be a lot. But I think one benefit is that I, I experienced how it's like to, to actually work as a customer service representative uh, doing the, the night shifts. And I think that has been uh, like one of my most valuable lessons now that I uh, since six months are running uh, better support uh, that I understand how it's like for for my employees. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so you've seen all of the logistics. You have called your new BPO or your new outsourcing firm better support. So what's the whole thesis behind better support. You've had now a few years experience in the industry. You've obviously seen the opportunities, maybe the gaps in the market. Um, what have you built better support to to be? Yeah, so uh, I, I think that as with any outsourcing company, every, every client or company needs the best possible people to drive their company forward and outsourcing should be no exception. So we spend a huge part of our time taking care of, um, uh, of our employees to ensure that we, we keep continuing recruiting the best talents in the industry. And um, I, I think we also have a genuine passion and, and hunger for seeing our clients succeed. And uh, this becomes a very powerful combination from which our clients benefit. So I would say that's a little bit about our uh, DNA. Yeah, and where do you where's your sweet spot in terms of clients, and what services do you typically provide them? Yeah, so uh, like many outsourcing companies, we provide the traditional services such as uh, 
24-7 uh, customer support, content writing, and so on. But uh, we also specialize in influencer and affiliate marketing services. Uh, typically, companies would turn to expensive agencies in the Western world uh, to get these services done if you don't do it in-house. So we have found a market gap there, I would say. Tell us more. That that That's really interesting. It's, it's kind of in vogue at the moment, isn't it? I think... Everyone wants access to the influencer and affiliate market. And, you know, even mm. the old fuddy-duddy companies, they're all desperate to sort of tap into it. But then I think a lot of people are really hit by the amount of work and organization it takes to yeah. to scale this thing up. So where have you seen value there and, and what, what can you do for clients? Yeah, so going back to my previous employer, I, I worked with over 50 50 companies uh, within influencer marketing. And by then I actually learned from, from the clients that I had. And now I'm trying to take advantage of that. But we, we don't only offer uh, people that, that can do the tasks. We, we have a more comprehensive uh, side to it where we can give a lot of knowledge, expertise, and uh, offer best practices on how to run these kind of uh, programs. And uh, yeah, for instance, we have a dedicated influencer marketing team of 15 agents for one of our clients, uh, where our employees basically identify suitable influencers for their brand on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We contact these influencers and initiate collaborations. And uh, yeah, the, the outcome for our client is obviously that their brand gets a lot of exposure on social media by the influencers. Uh, but what, what we have seen as a market trend now is that um, we can also take the content that the influencers have been uh, generating and our client can run it uh, as advertisements and uh, put the content on their website to inspire visitors. And it ultimately it leads to a higher conversion and, and more sales. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that generally only work with B2C stuff? Um, how, how broad have you seen the application of this, of getting real value from influencers? Yeah, so uh, initially I would say when influencer marketing really kicked off 10 years ago, it was more about uh, direct sales. Uh, influencers would hand out discount codes and so on to drive sales. Uh, but things have sort of turned now. Um, but it's really about the... the exposure and uh, the content that the influencers are generating. Uh, our client wouldn't have to hire photographers to take sometimes boring just product photos. They instead get genuine content and the visitors of, of our client's website can uh, easier, more easily visualize how an item would fit into their home or, uh, and so on. Yeah, it's kind of paradoxical, isn't it? Like you can have really sort of crappy content, but as long as it's genuine content, then I think that has a lot more yeah. cachet than, you know, really, Absolutely. really sort and, of uh, yeah. polished and, content. And just to add on that, um, uh, when our client run ads on Instagram, Facebook, and so on, they, they can instead use the content coming from influencers uh, and it gives them a better result in the end. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But, you know, is this suitable for if you're selling, you know, D2C, I don't know, makeup and, and clothing and shoes, 
would it apply, do you think, to yeah. a business like B2B sector? Like, for example, could you sell outsourcing services that way? Is there a um, <clears throat> is yeah. there an industry of so, business uh, influences? Mm, yeah, so e-commerce has been on like the front foot when it comes to influencer marketing, but I think it has now changed and... Uh, what we can also see is that you don't necessarily need a physical product in order to run a successful influencer marketing program. It could be as simple as that you, you have like a, a launch of a service and you want to get the message out quickly. We can then find the, the right influencers, contact them, make collaborations, and uh, then the influencers would push that information out. And. You know, I've heard. I've never. I've never really been involved in the industry much. But you hear the influencers have become prima donnas of late, and they charge exorbitant amounts of money for what could potentially be fake followers, or very minimal following, or certainly a very low engagement. Uh, what? How, how much? How much does it cost to get yeah. reasonable results? So I would say, first of all, that there are many segments when it comes to influencers. You have what we call the mega, those with, let's say, 100,000 followers and above. Um, and then you have the micro that starts from anywhere from 1,000 followers, really. And uh, we obviously have a lot of uh, practices and tools that helps us to identify you know, how genuine an influencer, an influencer is. Um, so it really takes a little bit of expertise to to know how to to deal with it i would say got it yeah it's a fascinating it's kind of this black box of uh media and marketing that most of the kind of oldies don't really understand and it's just shot off to be, become this huge industry that is really leaving a lot of people kind of um, wondering how to harness it it's fascinating and so you do that as a service is it i mean do your clients necessarily have to know that you are doing this service from the Philippines? Because I assume there are agencies that do this identical work from New York, from London. And, um, you know, does it necessarily need to be associated as an offshore outsourcing service? And if so, could you charge a lot more just based on the value of the service as opposed to the staffing you're providing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So uh, obviously it's expensive to, to run this kind of program uh, in-house. Uh, but I think that where a lot of other outsourcing companies would struggle uh, would be that they don't know the, the ins and outs of influencer marketing like we do. So if we take better support as an example, when you, when you outsource your influencer marketing needs to us, uh, it will always be a collaboration between the the client and us, uh, but the the price point that we can offer would be around seventy percent less per per hour or per month. Uh, but you also get a lot of knowledge that you would normally have to turn to an agency to to gain, and uh, then the cost would become even much more. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I assume it's significantly cheaper and. Uh... That's excellent. And so um, where have you, what is the plan for expansion this year then? We've just started 2023. Outsourcing is absolutely booming. What, what do you see, what do you 
feel better support has in store for the year? When it comes to us, we will try to continue and we are still in a startup phase. So uh, we will uh, take on as many cl- clients as, as we can. Um, but I think in general, uh, in the industry, uh, I think, you know, the growth will really continue. And uh, I, I think that a lot of companies would look to outsource um, services that you don't typically associate with uh, with outsourcing, such as affiliate or influencer marketing, but could obviously uh, also be other types of services. And you're based in Sweden right now. You travel a lot. You've spent a lot of time right across the globe. How how do you see the perception of outsourcing amongst your peers, amongst the community, um, and how is it evolving over over the years? Yeah, so outsourcing is not as developed as uh, as in the US or Australia, let's say. But there are a lot of things uh, happening. And uh, I think that apart from what freelancing platforms such as Upwork and Fiverr did to accelerate outsourcing for small and medium-sized businesses, uh, the pandemic really helped to eliminate the fear of having people work uh, remotely. And uh, I I think as well the the financial situation in the world right now and uh, the focus shifting from from growth to profitability, uh, I think that will really benefit the, the outsourcing industry. And what is, where's Sweden with its understanding and, and acceptance of outsourcing? I mean, is, is, I'm completely ignorant here, I've been there once, but do people really conduct business in English and would it be a major hassle for them to integrate English people into their business or, um, you know, is it, is it mostly sort of heavily Swedish still? Yeah, so um, after the Netherlands, we are the most proficient in English in Europe. And, uh, but, but I think that uh, from before, uh, outsourcing has typically been, been made by Swedish companies that need Swedish-speaking customer service agents. But I think that's really changing now. And uh, you can see that a lot of Swedish companies are growing their businesses outside of Scandinavia. And that really makes it easier to, to outsource uh, to a company that has English uh, as a language. So a lot of things uh, happening and Swedish companies, especially e-commerce companies, are really on the front foot. So, um, so yeah, I think we can expect a lot of Scandinavian companies to, to outsource to countries such as uh, the Philippines. And are there many Swedish companies that you know, sell internationally, like they have an international market or do most of them kind of focus on the domestic Swedish speaking market? Yeah, so definitely there are a lot of uh, successful Swedish uh, companies that are expanding their uh, their sales uh, globally. So uh, yes, definitely. And I suppose it's, it's up to companies such as Better Support to make these companies open their eyes to to outsourcing uh, yeah. for English English languages. And of course, one of the big outsourcing destinations is Eastern Europe, which of course is not too far away from Sweden uh, and very strong for developers and, and things like that. Um, mm. What is the relationship with that? And do you see, you know, would it be pretty difficult to convince people to get developers in the Philippines when Eastern Europe is so close? 
So uh, I think that there is a tradition of outsourcing, you know, your IT needs to uh, to countries such as Belarus or Ukraine, uh, that part of Europe. Uh, and I think that trend will continue. Uh, so I, I think where where Philippines comes in as an option uh, is for those that want a higher um, proficiency in in English. Uh, and also everyone that has worked with Filipinos know that their their work uh, ethic is pretty unmatched. Um, so uh, yeah, you, you have a little bit of both there, I would say. And so you say, how is Better Support structured? You're a remote organization, fully remote, is that right? Yes, correct. So we, we uh, my vision has always been to make it as you know, to, to work for better support should be as pleasant as possible. And I know that, you know, and as you know, in the Philippines, many people commute two hours to, to work. Uh, and uh, they obviously would like to do something else with that time. So I early on took the decision to, uh, to instead be as high tech uh, when it comes to how we run our daily operations. And for us, that means that we are actually using a virtual office. Uh, working behind the remote desktops for security purposes. And then we, we typically meet um, five or six times a year, uh, and we, we spend that budget on great company events instead. Got it. And so you, you hire only Philippines at this stage, but they're not necessarily limited to Manila, like the capital city. Are they spread right across the country? No, we have actually, um, we, we only have our employees in the Manila region uh, for the reason that we do want to, you know, have frequent uh, meetups and company events. And uh, that obviously makes it easier if everyone is in the same region. Um, we do also offer some bilingual services. And um, for instance, we have uh, a French guy working for us. Uh, but in Manila, you would find a lot of uh, different languages. So it hasn't been a problem for us to, to only recruit in the uh, capital region. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, and how have you found building uh, company culture, company processes, SOPs, training, onboarding, all of those things when everyone is remote? Yeah, so uh, as I earlier mentioned, we, we really try to be on the front foot when it comes to running teams remotely. And I think our virtual office has been a great help. Basically, when our employees are logging in in the morning, they, they walk to their office using their keyboard arrows, and uh, then we spend the whole day there. So it has really been, been working like above of what I expected. And... Uh, I think we have seen as well, I mean, we are only six months old and we have already grown to 30 employees that, you know, it has worked for us. And uh, yeah, it's it's really fascinating to see. That's cool. So you actually do have a, you're in the metaverse, like you have a, a, a what should I say, a physical virtual office? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Super cool. And how do you find that? Like, what do you do in there? You, you kind of hang out like... Um, is it got yeah, visual so representation we, we, we of, of you sitting at desks? Right. 
Yeah, that's it's basically how it looks like. But yeah, we, we collaborate there. We, we send files to each other. We even have an events manager that is responsible for, for our weekly events that we have and gatherings. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool what you can do nowadays. Well, Johan, you've really done a fantastic job in your first six months of being in business for yourself. So absolutely, you know, congratulations for that. You. Uh, you've seen good growth. You've got 30 staff. Uh, and you're already building the good processes and you're doing good work with a remote-based team. So you're embracing the future of work. Uh, Johan, as always, I encourage people to reach out, to have a conversation, uh, to connect uh, and you know see how outsourcing can help their business. So if anyone wants to reach out or know more, how can they do that? Yeah, so uh, I'm always available on my LinkedIn. So that's uh, Johan Jedocker. Uh, as well as uh, my email, johan.jedaker at bettersupport.io. Uh, you can always find me there. Fantastic. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. Johan, thank you so much. That was Johan Jedaker. He is the founder and CEO of bettersupport.io. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.